Hi, this is Nick Forrester. Welcome to E-Town. This week, we're going to revisit a show we recorded last summer with a bluegrass band that's not really a bluegrass band, but they can certainly play the bluegrass music. I'm talking about the infamous String Dusters. And one of the brightest young voices of acoustic string music, Molly Tuttle, is on the show this week. We had a really strong Achievement Award winner, Maria Rose Belding, and a great finale. And here it comes. From E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's guest from Nashville, Tennessee, Molly Tuttle, Achievement Award winner Maria Rose Belding, and Grammy Award winning quintet, the infamous String Dusters. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, join me in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Helen. Welcome to E-Town Hall. We are going to have some fun. String Dusters, Molly Tuttle, this is going to be good. So you may have heard this saying. You maybe never heard it before because I'm not sure if I made it up. But the idea is that a great idea on its own is not enough. And hard work on its own is not enough. But he put them together and it's dynamic. Same thing happens in music. Great talent, great skills, great chops. On its own, not enough. Great song on its own, not enough. Put them together and magic can happen. So that's, that's what we always aim for. This week we've got two artists who came up in the tradition of bluegrass music, which, by the way, is really hard to do. The playing and the singing, it's like boot camp for uh, musical skills, and both of our guests did that. And then they kind of took those skills and took them farther outside the borders and boundaries, and not surprisingly, they both made new records that reflect the times we're in and their song selection and their outlook is contemporary. Up first, on the heels of their Grammy-winning record, which is called Laws of Gravity, these guys have made a new record that shines a light on the need to shine a light in tough times, basically. All original songs that they recorded in sequence, they've got a full schedule of touring all the time, playing festivals, theaters, clubs, they're busy. They're a band in the truest sense. And I'm talking about Andy Falco and Travis Book and Jeremy Garrett and Andy Hall and Chris Pandolfi. Help me welcome to the stage once again the infamous String Dusters. Yesterday, I can feel the cold 
Infamous String Dusters are here at E-Town once again. So good to see you guys. Good to hear you. Congratulations. Um, on the heels of winning a Grammy, does that like put a little pressure on, oh God, we got to make a new record and it's got to be special and good? Or is it just like, it's what you do. You're going to make another record. Yeah, I don't think we felt a ton of pressure, you know, because we had already done seven records when the Grammy thing came up. So it's a bit of a surprise. And you know that you're going to keep making records and and... You also know that you don't know how it's all going to go after you put it out. You, right. you make it, you write the songs, and that's the part where you release it and see what the universe does with yeah. it. Yeah, it's, like, it's like a message in a bottle. You don't know who's going to find it or read it or get it or whatever. The thing that it did is encourage us to write more original music because it was definitely like a morale boost and an encouragement as far as yeah. our original stuff. And this is a, a record that's full of original material, and it all came from different sources. And it came together, and it actually, once you got in the studio, it sort of felt like it had a theme, or they fit together in some kind of way, didn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And we started to see this common theme running through and it sort of narrowed down very, in a very organic way the, the final uh, yeah. 13 that made it. There's a worldview here that's coming through that you guys are recognizing that uh, times are tough and you have an opportunity to lift things up. You have an audience, you have uh, an outlet, and um, your songs are pretty damn depressing. Uh, yeah. No, some of them are. We're some of them are. We're depressed. No, they're... Actually, there's some that are really uplifting. In fact, the title song, Rise Sun, really has this great old-time gospel feel. It sounds like a kind of a classic uh, Southern gospel song. Where did that come from? The melody to that one and the idea for that just kind of popped into my head as I was driving to the airport. I live in North Carolina. I got to drive down through South Carolina and all the way through Georgia to get to Atlanta to go to the airport. And that melody and that sort of feel just kind of dawned yeah. on me one day and it wouldn't go away. Yeah. You know, I can only sing and record so many songs in this life. And I think it's a lot harder to write songs that are sort of more oriented toward optimism and hope. Yeah. Um, it's challenging, but for me, I just kind of made the decision when I was working on this record, like, I, I can only sing so many songs. And I want them to be about this sort of thing. Yeah. You want them to have a little more depth and meaning. That was Travis, by the way. One of the songs you just played, Carry Me Away, again, the message is in there. It's pretty subtle. It's not overt. It's not a fist in the air sort of pointing fingers kind of song, but it does say, for example, there's a line I think that says, uh, you want yours and all of mine, and you're pointing to greed and to obstinance and you know that kind of behavior that you're shining a light on. Yeah, that was, that was exactly the idea, you know? Yeah, and I think you probably do run the risk of alienating some people if you are too overt about how you feel, but at the same time, as you're kind of pointing out, now's the time. Yeah. Andy uh, Falco, I know in, in an interview, you were a little more overt um, recently in that you said, the world is polarized, everything's so extreme, and partisan politics have become a culture war. The song, talking about the, the last song on the record that you wrote that's uh, about truth and love, the song is a reminder of what's truly important in life. Seek the truth, find your love, look up high and aim above. Life is short, so keep your eye on what's important while you're here. Kind of echoing the same thing that these guys are saying, right? Absolutely. When we were all individually out writing for this record in this climate the way it is now, it was really cool that we all sort of came together trying to find these positive messages. And I was really feeling this just, um, it's just a message really of hope. And, but, but truth is important too. I mean, there has to be truth. And we don't have a lot of that today, it seems. Okay, so, so let's review. Um, <laughs> Maturity? What do you think? Yes? I think, I think yes. I think maturity, yeah. Uh, depressing? Yes. I think yes. yes. <laughs> but optimistic and hopeful and aiming positive. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right, then, then mission accomplished. Good job, you guys. <laughs> Congratulations on the new record. And once again, you know, you really are sort of like the quintessential band. You play a lot when you're not on stage. You've kind of gotten so many things together that are hard for a lot of bands to do, the logistics, the touring, the personalities. So congratulations. It's really, uh, you're on a great sort of stage of your career. Glad to have you back at E-Town. Thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> the infamous String Dusters. Pain. But inside our 
ghost of burdens in our heart It's time to let them travel and lay them down From the tallest mountain down in the lowest valley We've all asked and we want to know Why will climb and tell me, why will fall and tell me Where we're going, yet we want to know Rise, Stringbusters, Andy Falco, Chris Pandolfi, Andy Hall, Jeremy Garrett, Travis Book. The record is called Rise Sun, out on Tape Time Records. These guys are going to be back later in the show to play a bunch more, much more music. The infamous Stringbusters. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by Silk, the charter sponsor of Change the Course. The program was co-created with National Geographic to restore water in critically water-stressed ecosystems. You can learn more about Silk's commitment to the environment and to plant-based nutrition at silk.com. 
and by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. You know, we love to hear from our listeners, so feel free to send us your comments about the show in general, about our Achievement Awards stories, or our interview guests, or anything else you'd like. You can reach us either by email at info at etown.org or on Facebook. You're listening to E-Town. Nick Forster, you're listening to E-Town. The infamous String Dusters are going to be back, play some more music in a little while. And coming up, Molly Tuttle is here, the award-winning singer, songwriter, and amazing guitar player. We're glad that she's here for her first visit. So we got lots of great music coming up. And uh, since the String Dusters kind of brought it up, pointing out that we can all aim a little more towards the light, making things better, uh, we're going to do that as we do every week right now with the Achievement Award. Um, it's a chance to recognize somebody who, in the face of a challenge or a problem, finds a way to start something that makes a real difference, makes things better in their communities. And listeners send us these stories uh, every week, and we get to share those stories with you. Here comes Helen Forster to tell you about this week's winner. Thank you, Nick. Our winner this week is Maria Rose Belding of Washington, D.C. She's originally from a small rural town in Iowa where she started volunteering at her church's food pantry at the age of five as part of her Sunday school activities. Well, as she grew older, she began to be bullied at school, and she found volunteering at the church provided a safe haven. As she began to get more involved there, Maria Rose began to notice that feeding the hungry was not always as easy or effective as it should be. For example, the pantry shelves often overflowed with expired food items, while other foods were desperately needed but not available. She told me of a day when the pantry received thousands of boxes of mac and cheese, way more than they could use. Well, when she tried to get in touch with other food banks or nonprofits to see if she could give these away, she found that much of the contact information they had was wrong or outdated. She was only 14, but she realized there had to be a better way. And I'm happy to say she eventually came up with an amazing solution. Maria Rose is here to tell us about the program she's created and the incredible results it's having. So please welcome Maria Rose Belding. Maria Rose, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's such a cool story. I'm sure everybody's curious, as I am, about what the idea was that you came up with when you were looking for ways to connect the organizations that were wanting to be more successful giving food away. I was sitting there in eighth grade going, okay, but the internet, we have the internet. Why on earth are we not using this? It's such an obvious, but good idea. Yes. (laughs) So you use the internet to try to connect those who had extra and those who needed food? Yes. So we've built a program that connects about 3,000 soup kitchens, homeless shelters, and food pantries to retailers, whether that is a restaurant, a grocery store, a convenience store, whomever makes food in a professional capacity. So people who have extra can say, hey, by the way, I have 
you know, 700 pounds of potato salad that I don't need. And then there's all these organizations saying, man, I sure wish I had some potato salad. Exactly. Exactly. So we send emails and or texts to all of those nonprofits that we verified are in fact nonprofits. One of them claims it, they go get it in an average of half an hour across the United States. In an average of a half an hour. In a half an hour, we find a new home, 95% of the time. Wild. And we're really focused on healthier food. We're really trying to move fresh produce and things that couldn't exist in food recovery 10 years ago without the internet. 10 years ago, it would have been, you know, chicken noodle soup in a can. Mm -hmm. And now it's actually veggies and fruits and things that would expire. Exactly. So cool. So that's so much better for the end user too. Yes. Where were you? You were in Iowa, is that right? I was in Pella, Iowa. Pella, Iowa. Yeah, lots of cows. Lots of cows. (laughs) Kind of it. Cows and presidential candidates. Yeah. Hot air in its many forms. Yeah. Um, And now you're in 49 states. Yep, and Canada. And Canada. Yes. Do you have a big staff now? Do you have a big budget? Do you have a bunch of donors? How does this all work? So there are a dozen people on the staff at Means. They are age 15 to 23. I am the 23-year-old. Wow. My greatest privilege is getting to take really talented, smart young people that just need something to do. Yeah. And an environment that believes in them and doesn't care if they're queer. We don't care. Just tell us your pronouns. We're in. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Like, getting to provide that space that did not exist for me is... One of the best parts of my job. Wild. Is there a revenue piece at all that happens, or is it just donations, or how does it work? There are tax deductions and credits at the local, state, and federal level. We can tell all of our donor companies exactly what they need to claim those deductions. The vast majority of food companies don't claim their full tax deductions because they have to track down what got donated, when, to whom, their EIN number across all of their locations. That's what we do. That's like two keystrokes for us. That's really valuable data and we will not give it up for free. So we sell it back for a percentage of its value. It allows us to have a sustainable revenue stream. Every one of those 12 people I mentioned is paid a living wage. which I'm very proud of as a boss. Yeah. It is possible to have a a revenue stream as a nonprofit that is not built on the backs of poor and hungry people. And that's what we're aiming to do. Yeah. There's an environmental piece to this too, because you're diverting a lot of material that would otherwise go to the landfill or expire or not be utilized, I'm assuming. Yes, absolutely. This is all food that is near date, so it's still safe to eat for the next day, the next two days, the next week. We move it in that time frame, and then it doesn't end up in a landfill. Yeah. Do you have any idea of the amount of stuff you've diverted that would we otherwise do. have gone? We do. You, you do. I'm not Somewhere between somehow. 2.2 and 2.3 million pounds of food. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and what about the number of, of people who've been impacted by this work? Because, again... You're supporting organizations that are already extant. These are organizations that do already give food away or help the underserved or the hungry in their communities. But you're changing their diets. You're helping them get better food. You're helping them get more of the food that they're looking for. Do you have any idea of the number of people who have been impacted by the work you're doing? Our program is in use by food banks and food pantries and soup kitchens serving millions upon millions of people. Yeah, that's amazing. It's called the MEANS Database? What does that mean? The means database. Eighth grade, we really liked acronyms. So <laughs> means stands for matching excess and need for stability. Yeah. 
There's a website where people can go and check out what you're up to? Yes, it's just meansdatabase.org or just foodrecovery.org. So if you know a food pantry, if you know a church or a house of worship that's feeding people, if you run a food business or you know somebody who does, we will take your food and we will get it to people. There's 49 million Americans using a food pantry every month. We need it. We will take it. We will put it to better use than your trash can. We promise. It's such a great story, and you have such great energy, and I love the fact that you are committed to making this Mm self-sustaining, that you want to make sure that it has got its own energy and that generates results, but it also supports itself along the way. And it doesn't mean we can't help. It doesn't mean we can't spread the word or make sure we get more people to participate. Absolutely. Okay, so that's what we'll do. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Maria Rose from the meansdatabase.org doing an amazing job. The winner of this week's Achievement Award. Congratulations, Maria. To learn more about this worthy project or to nominate someone for the award yourself, you can also check out our website, etown.org, and we'll have her information there, too. We also are always reachable on Facebook or by email at info at etown.org. Or you can write us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, Maria Rose. So it turns out the kids are all right. So good. That's such good news. We've got more uh, music coming up from the infamous String Dusters in a little while. Right now, I'm going to tell you what's next. Molly Tuttle. She grew up in San Francisco Bay Area in a really, really musical family. Her dad, Jack Tuttle, is a great player and teacher. And uh, he and his kids have been playing music for years since the kids were all young. They had a band called the Tuttles. They played bluegrass music at festivals and every other kind of gig. Molly was always front and center, singing and playing banjo, but mostly guitar with a kind of quiet stoicism as she literally just burned it up and played great and the crowd noticed. Um, Then she got a merit scholarship to Berklee College of Music in Boston and then she was in a band called the Goodbye Girls, then moved to Nashville afterwards and and now uh, has a new full CD release of original material, a ton of amazing press, monumental awards, including the first IBMA Guitar Player of the Year prize ever awarded to a woman. And... And more, we, um, you know, and, and it's all just well-deserved. We couldn't be happier to have her with us this week, along with her band. Um, please welcome to E-Town for her first visit, Molly Tuttle. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. We're going to get Helen Forster out here to sing with us on this first song. And this is one off the new album called Light Came In, Power Went Out. Through the 
Helen. Thank you, guys. Well, this is so cool to be here at E-Town. I've heard about this amazing show for so many years, and I've known Nick since I was a kid, and I remember I grew up listening to Hot Rise, and he was one of my big heroes growing up. I, he was always so supportive of me as I was growing up as a kid, going to bluegrass festivals, and um, yeah, so it's really great to be here. And this has been such an inspiring, positive show so far. We thought we'd add a little depressing element for you guys. <laughs> this is an old murder ballad. Um, yeah, this is an old traditional one that I took and changed the words around to a little bit. I grew up, as I said, um, kind of in bluegrass circles. My dad was a bluegrass teacher, and I always kind of loved these really dark murder ballads, but I did notice that the guy always killed the woman in the song, so I thought it'd be good to just even the score a little bit and change, change the script on this one.
where he met his final doom. And I ain't gonna be treated this way. Molly Tuttle, welcome to E-Town. So glad you're here. Thanks. This is Great fun. to be here. Yeah. It's fun to see you in this context after all this time. Yeah, we're having so much fun. Yeah. It must feel great to just be making new things and new sounds and then having it work, having everybody respond and react so positively. It is fun. Yeah. With the last album, I definitely went in a new direction. Yeah. And yeah, it's just fun to not feel boundaries with my music and creativity. It's really exciting. It is great that you're adding these new sounds and these new instruments, these new feels, but it's not new and it doesn't feel odd at all. It feels like a perfectly natural extension Thanks. of what you've been up to. Yeah, it's been super exciting, especially since moving to Nashville. I've gotten to collaborate with people I've always dreamed of writing with and playing with. And that was part of the reason I wanted to move to Nashville is yeah. I just felt like so many of my favorite musicians were there. We should back up a little bit and just talk a little bit about your upbringing. I'm assuming, just because I've known your dad for a long time, that there were instruments all over your house when you were a kid. There were, yeah. Um, Our couches were always like full of instruments. You couldn't really sit on any of them <laughs> unless you were holding an instrument. So that's a um, good motivation. Yeah. yeah, and I try to keep that spirit now wherever I live, just have them lying around so you're more likely to pick one up. But yeah, it was definitely an inspiring house to grow up in. and Were you super six fun. or seven or eight or when, when you started playing guitar? I started guitar when I was eight. Eight, yeah. yeah. And at some point, I know you got interested in old-time music. And a lot of people, they don't recognize the difference between bluegrass and old-time music, but it's really different, especially uh, in the way the banjos played. You got into clawhammer banjo. And yeah. when you got into clawhammer, I know you tried to sort of adapt some version of that to the guitar as mm -hmm. well, which is sort of hard to explain, but it's yeah. it's a rhythmic uh, approach to playing the banjo that involves claw frailing or claw hammer, but, mm -hmm. um, and you figured out a way to do that on the guitar a little bit too. Yeah. Can you show us a little tiny piece of that? Because I, I know I, I heard you years ago playing in a tent somewhere in Oakland, <laughs> I think. But Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I can. I'm not in the right tuning, but it basically is... sounds cooler when I'm actually in the tuning, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> in case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Molly Tuttle. Um, before we go too far, I also want to just mention another aspect of your youth that I think is worth mentioning is that since the age of three, you discovered that you had alopecia. Mm -hmm. Is that okay to talk about? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Maybe you can tell us what it is. Yeah, alopecia areata is an autoimmune condition where all your hair falls out. Not all of it. It can be little spots of hair or it can be all the hair on your entire body. Um, so I lost my hair when I was three and people on the radio can't see, but I am wearing a wig right now. But yeah, it's something that really became a big part of who I was growing up. Um, I wore hats until I was a teenager and then I wore wigs. But I think it's an important thing to talk about and just get it out there in the open because yeah. people don't know about it and it creates stigma and 
Yeah. I know you've, there are opportunities to gather people who have alopecia or can share and be around each other. And there were times when even as a young person, you could be around other kids who looked the way you did. Yeah, it was it really, really important to me as yeah. a kid to get to be around other kids who looked like me. And I think a lot of times in school, I just felt even if I wasn't being bullied or people weren't treating me different, I just felt different because I looked so different than everyone else. So yeah, it's still important to me. I go to this annual gathering for people with alopecia yeah. and... And now you, um, you're also a mentor sometimes, right, to younger yeah. people? Yeah, I have a six-year-old mentee, <laughs> and we Skype usually a couple times a month. And we don't really talk about alopecia usually. She, like, shows me all her new toys and stuff, but <laughs> it's very, it's really fun. <laughs> it's really cool, and I imagine it does give you, you know, a different perspective, even as a young person. To go through being a teenager is hard enough, mm-hmm. and then to have that added challenge gives you, I'm sure, empathy and strength that's handy throughout your life. Yeah, I think so. I think it's really changed who I was. I don't know who I would be if I didn't have alopecia. And I think that's, there's definitely struggles and things I still struggle with, but I think overall it's been a really positive thing. And I think it's great to just embrace who you are and eventually it becomes something that you're proud of, which it has for me. Yeah. You wrote something really beautiful on your website. If you don't mind, I'm just going to quote it. it. You said, having alopecia has taught me that there's nothing normal about everyone being the same. Humans are beautifully diverse. We all have work to do to make our world a safer and more welcoming place for everyone, regardless of appearance, race, age, sexuality, gender identity, disability, or anything else that makes us human. And I think that that, particularly in the place you're in right now where you're really kind of in a groundbreaking spot. It's just, you've, you've got a microphone. It's just <laughs> lovely to hear someone with that commitment to that level of humanity being so public. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks for checking that out. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge, I watched you win your first uh, IBM A Guitar Player of the Year award, unseating a reigning champ and my hot rise bandmate, Brian Sutton. And he was, we were all so happy for you. It was amazing. It was a great, great accomplishment. Thanks. Yeah. Well-deserved. So cool. Well, you've been on this journey for a long time, Molly. I just am super happy that you're able to be here. We get to hear some more music. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, welcome back, if you would, along with her band, Molly Tuttle. Thank you. And we're going to get Nick Forrester to help us out on this next one. This is another one off the new record called Sleepwalking. If I drove into the sea Float away with the fear Be my anchor, please Cause your voice is all I need i mm-hmm. 
That's Molly Tuttle, along with Sam Howard on the bass, Nicholas Falk on the drums, Christian Settlemeyer on the violin, Ren Anderson on the electric guitar and keyboards, Helen Forster singing a little backup. The record's called When You're Ready, out on Compass Records from Nashville, Tennessee. Molly Tuttle. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. Now, if you tuned in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E-Town podcast will have this episode and others, along with content from past shows as well. It's available for free in iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast directories. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I want to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like KRML in Carmel, California, on WQKL 107.1 in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and on KTAO, KTAO 
101.9 Solar Radio down in Taos, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. As always, if you want more information about any of our guests, all that stuff is online at etown.org. So, um, so far, so good. We've had some great music from the String Dusters, a couple of powerful young women, our award winner, Maria Rose and Molly Tuttle. I think they're about the same age, early 20s, both doing amazing and inspiring things. And um, it is good to see that things are getting better when people try to make them better. You know, sometimes we lose sight of that. When things get dark, we see people being super mean to strangers who may not look like them, and there are small victories every day. We're happy to celebrate those things. With that, speaking of the light and uh, the title of their new record, would you please welcome back the infamous String Dusters. True, 
in your soul. Live a good life to the end. Seek the truth, find your love. Look up high above, on the road big with gold. Let the light shine from your soul. Seek the truth. The infamous String Dusters, Travis Book on the double bass and vocals, Jeremy Garrett on the fiddle and vocals, Andy Hall on the dobro and vocals, Chris Pandolfi on the banjo and vocals, Andy Falco on guitar and vocals. The record's called Rise Sun. We've got one more song. We're um, going to get everybody out. I want to thank all of our guests. I want to thank our award winner, Maria Rose Belding, Means Database. It's a project helping to match food donors with those who need food. Amazing, amazing uh, story, amazing young woman. Thanks to Molly Tuttle and her band coming out here from Nashville, Tennessee. Ron Jolly and Helen Forrester. Thanks to the infamous String Dusters. We picked out a good song for you. You know, given all the bluegrass background that everybody on stage has, uh, we, we chose something that just seemed so obvious we thought it might work. It's a Eurythmics tune uh, that uh, means a lot to all of us, of course. <laughs> I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town.
E-Town is produced by a donor-supported nonprofit organization with help from all of our fine staff and recorded live at E-Town Hall. To make an Achievement Award nomination, comment on the show in general, or get tickets to a live taping, feel free to visit our website, etown.org. is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you. is a production of the E-Town Radio Network. That's E-Town. Thanks again to the String Dusters, to Molly Tuttle, to our award winner. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.